I'm Quentin Wilson. And together we are the Two Enthusiasts Podcast. The Two Enthusiasts Podcast. The most exhausted motorcycling podcast on the internet. <laughs> exhausted or exhaustive? Exhaust. Both. Euro four. Euro four. We're just Euro four. <laughs> right? I like to think of us as the the cute hexagonal grate on the back of the Ducati Desmos DG pipes, right? That's, oh yeah, it keeps the little rocks out. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, that's we're, that's just trick. We're trick, and we look cool. Rocks out with our cocks out. <laughs> no, 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 that's a different. Keep podcast. the rocks. That's keep your cocks out of the rocks. That's a different type of enthusiast podcast, Quentin. <laughs> Quentin, before we get started, I know we want to talk about the Icon Show, but we need to let our listeners know that. We will be doing a live show. Live show. Live show. Uh, we've been teasing it. We've been talking about it. We finally got a date. December 13th. If you're in the San Francisco area, come on down to the D store. It'll be finally reopening after their lengthy remodeling. And yours truly and the his truly will be there. Hi. Talking motorcycles. We're in kickstands. And kickstands. So bring your but kickstands. Mostly, but mostly motorcycles. Actually, don't bring kickstands. Unless you're bringing the rest of the bike with you, yeah. And then if you, someone just shows up with a kickstand, like I, I you're going to take it from them and beat them with it. I will. I'll take it out of your hand and I'll beat it with you <laughs> until it goes click. <laughs> All right, sounds good. So December thirteenth, which is a Wednesday, which is a Wednesday at the D store off Van Ness. Yes, at six o'clock. Uh, we'll be there. Hopefully, you'll be there too, and it should be a good time. It should be a good time. I'll be stoked. Right on. Uh, but let's talk about. Let's switch gears and talk about what happened in Milan this week yes today we have enthusiasm all over the place because there's new bikes new, new bikes. bikes and bikes and bikes new bikes and and today is also my second favorite day of the year because it means eichma is over and i can finally go back to sleep yeah like a normal human being is, it, is this the last of the stuff uh so today is wednesday uh typically tuesday and wednesday are the press days at eichma thursday friday saturday sunday being the consumer days uh, but of course, different brands uh, like to unveil things ahead of schedule. It used sure. to be like Monday was kind of a free for all, and now I've seen that we've bled into Sunday as well. Um, so that's just Ducati being Ducati. Ducati wanted to be first, and and that was the thing. It used to be Ducati was first, and then MV Augusta showed up, and then Honda and Yamaha got in on that action, and then Ducati was like, "Fuck it, we're gonna go to Sundays now." So Ducati went Sunday, um, MV Augusta didn't go at all, and then Monday, Tuesday. Or sorry, Monday we saw um, Honda and Yamaha come out with their stuff, and then Tuesday jumped us right into the the normal grind of an onslaught. All of right, so Icma, what is the what is the uh, uh, acronym for? Do you remember? Um, it stands for the United Brotherhood of Why the Fuck Do You Have to Ask Me That Question, <laughs> Quinn? Because I, you know, it's funny. We always say Icma, 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 and I don't even remember what it is. Okay, here I I took French. I uh, took French. Okay. I apologize to our Italian listeners. Oui. I took French. Okay. Mon oh, petit yeah, papillon. Right. Esposione internazionale ciclo motociclo. All right. So. International expositions for bicycles and motorcycles. Oh, they're bicycles as well? You know what? Never really see a lot of bicycles there, but that is the jam. And... Huh. Probably because in it's the back in of my head, hall? there's a like maybe it's like a different day or something. I, I can't recall off the top of my head when the bicycles show up. But to, to put it's in Italy. In, it's in Italy. It's in, in Milan. It's right outside the city center of Milan. You can take the metro there. To put it into context for for people that haven't gone, like this, like truthfully, it sounds kind of weird. Like this should be a bucket list item for motorcyclists. And I, I think, think I, you've said it because you talk about the one of the podcasts we did about this. You talk about the halls 
Like, right. You could jog the halls for a full can, day and not see all the halls. If right? they open up the walls on the halls, I bet you can see the curvature of the earth. And I'm I'm kind of being facetious, but I'm also kind of being truthful like because I've the, seen I've been in big like halls like that when I took the bar exam actually. We were in a huge hall like that, and you literally could kind of almost see like the curvature um because it was it was that long. So this is each hall is about the size of a football field. And there are what, like six or eight of them? Yeah. All That's just lined right gnarly. up. So it's pretty crazy. It's 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 well worth going. Even the press days are slammed. And then if you make the mistake of going in on a consumer day, oh my god, it's like asses to elbows with with Italian. And I bet there's a lot of bippity boppity going on. There's a lot of bippity boppity. They're really handsy. They're really handsy with the bikes. Like you doing that, I don't know if you can call it racist or classist or it's Americanist little, or yeah, it's a little jingoist. Yeah, yeah jingoist. Okay, I like that. Well, I'm I'm excited to talk about this stuff. For me, it seems like there is a lot to talk about, and for it's, I don't know why it seems like there's more than your normal. And we were gonna start talking about this right before we got on. But yeah. we were like, no, we got to save it for the show. So for me, I think it's just because there's a lot of things that I like, and as opposed to like last year. I don't remember liking very much of the stuff. I was just sitting there in my little my little hate cave, hating on all the shit. Maybe I don't know. We'll have, I'm gonna have to listen to the podcast from last year. But this seems like some interesting things, and I um I can't wait to delve into it. I think we did a two part podcast last year. I wouldn't doubt it. Maybe right. and so maybe that's the deal. So maybe there was more. That you know that right there, I think tells you something. But I mean, I was talking to a couple colleagues, and it felt like this year was less. To be honest, it just felt like it was more spread out. I think having Ducati go on Sunday and they do a big to do, and then having Yamaha and Honda on Monday, and they came out with some stuff, and then everything on Tuesday. Tuesday felt light. That was, I think, the big the big thing for me. And Wednesday was really light. Um, or as you used to a, a cascade of constant. I would say like. Seven, eight years ago, Tuesday, like like some stuff came out on on Monday and that got you busy and started up and then it, that kind of carried you right into Tuesday where it was an onslaught and then Wednesday finished strong but was definitely lighter. Like I remember beginning more f- going out and doing more of my own stuff on Wednesday, like taking photos and having meetings. Sure. Um, you know, this year Wednesday was pretty much dead. It was a lot of the smaller brands. Um, but I think also what might be a factor was we saw so much stuff in Tokyo yeah, ahead of time. And some of it was just kind of teaser stuff. And some of it was new stuff. You know, we talked about in the last show. Um, so I think that might've spoiled some of it. So when you're like, yeah, a lot of stuff came out at ICMA, but we already knew about a lot of it. So maybe that makes it feel like there's less. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's a perception thing there. And I think it, I think it, doesn't help when like one of the most anticipated motorcycles that that's a part of the show was already kind of leaked and known ahead of time. So like when you look at something like the Panigale V4, it's been in our consciousness for like the better part of the year. Yeah. So when it finally debuts, you're like, yeah, okay, great. Now we're, we can get, we can get past that. We can build a bridge. We can get over sure. it. Sure. Um, whereas normally we'd be like, oh my God, a V4 super bike from Ducati. Yeah. yeah. Brands on the wall. Yeah. So Quentin, what, how about, you tell me what was the the big highlights for you because I know you got excited about a couple bikes. Um, I'm curious to see if they're the same bikes I got excited about. I got really excited by that Honda, uh, black the black Honda show bike thing. 
the uh, CB, the CB one thousand R. No, the the one that was oh, like the CB four hundred. The CB four hundred. It was Care. just the Euro. Yeah. I guess European Honda. Dude, out of all the bikes, that was like the one that was like, I want that. I really liked it. I don't know why. I usually am not all about that retro styled thing, but it didn't. It kind of transcended the retro style. So I was super stoked by that. I also like small bikes, so that made me happy. Um, I'm pretty stoked. Surprisingly, I've seen a lot of hate with the KTM uh, 790 Duke. I, I, I A lot of people are like, uh, because it, it doesn't look like the project bike or the uh, whatever came out last the prototype. year. The prototype. And no, I, I didn't expect it to because making that exhaust come up the tail is going to be nearly impossible, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm pretty still pretty stoked by that. Yeah. The 790 Adventure, again, I'm a little depressed that that's not like a here's our new model. It's just a yet another staving off of until next year. Fair enough. But, you know, KTM's used to a dirt bike cycle where they they put bikes in for the following year in like June or in July. So maybe that's what we'll see with this, whatever. I mean, to be honest with you, Ducati doesn't even ship most of the bikes they're showing until May anyway. So yeah. everybody gets all uh, about when bikes go and they just might be playing the game of releasing 2019's early. Okay, fair enough. But I like those bikes and I, I, I'm surprised because, you know, I've said this before on the show, Parallel Twins are not my favorite, but those make sense and they look good and they seem to be like something that I would go for again because I'm not all horsepower all the time. I like the idea of something smaller and lighter, but with just enough oomph and both of those look like they would be it. Um, as opposed to the BMW, which just looks like another contrived BMW. Which, I, which BMW? The BMW. Um, the 750 and the, fi- and the 850. 850 GS. I would, but I tell you what, out of all the BMWs I've ever seen that are like that, these are the ones where I'm like, yep, I, I, I want to ride that. I actually do. Whereas in the past, uh, you know, I've said it before, one of the most disappointing motorcycles I've ever gotten on was a 800GS, F800GS. One of the most sadly, oh my God, underwhelming, wow, that bike probably does all the things and checks all the boxes, but not good at all. Whereas this looks like it might have potential to be that little, have that little extra bit of gusto. Were you on the 700GS or the 800GS? For 800. Okay. So that's the more potent, yeah. potent potable. It was just the engine had the the most the lack of character there was there's such a lack of care was like a black hole character and, and that's something you know as a ducati person i'd way rather ride a ktm that was be light and and bigger than that than even that size and i would i want to have a smaller bike triumph i didn't get a chance to look at your article on the triumph uh at hmm. all what what is the triumph so so to back it up one step Triumph is kind of re- reworking their branding on their adventure bikes. Everything now is a Tiger and then a number. So Tiger 800 is the 800cc bike. Yeah. Tiger 1200 is the bigger one. And in the past, they didn't do it that. Was, in the past, the bigger one was the Tiger Explorer. and It was, a tiger, it was the Explorer 1200. They, they went through a couple yeah, different names. Now they've kind of cleaned that up a little bit. Both bikes have been overhauled for the 2018 model year. I wouldn't say they're like all new bikes. You go and you look at them side by side. And there's some changes, and there's some similarities. Same engines, then? I mean, they've made some changes. Yeah, but it's the, the structure is basically- I would say it is as much of a new bike as the CBR 1000 was a new bike this year. It was like, yeah, you guys went in and did some shit. You did some shit. You gave it a good going over. Same casings, more or less the same frames. Yeah, sure. Let's let's not get like too it wasn't they, about like it. they lopped off 100 pounds of weight- and they say they made 200 horsepower. changes, and sometimes you wonder if that's 99 bolts got changed and like 100 yeah, sure. fairing pieces got reworked or something. So because the the quick sh- shot of it I saw looked similar enough to where I was like, meh. 
but uh, it sounded like you had a lot to say about it. I had a lot to say. I got uh, an embargoed uh, information on that, so that gives you more time to, to dive deeper into it, okay. uh, of course. So, I mean, I'm intrigued by this place. I'm really looking forward to riding those bikes. Uh, I really hope I'm at the press launch for them. Uh, I wouldn't mind maybe grabbing like a 1200 or an 800 for a long-term loaner and go take it out to somewhere like Brown's Camp and see how it handles on a trail that's really not, you know, tight and gnarly. Sure. Um, or to head to Eastern Oregon. You yeah. Need to do it. We need yeah. To- Telling you a death match for that those bikes that could be fun. So I, I'm a, I'm pretty excited about it, and I think that's the whole purpose behind the refresh, where it's like the Triumph Tiger 800 is such a good bike. It's so well regarded in the industry. The 1200 not so much because it's always been kind of considered like a GS knockoff. It looked a lot like and a GS. Not just that. It was a GS knockoff that didn't knock off and it was heavy and huge. it was wide and it yeah. was big. So good, I don't, good for a long distance tour if somebody wants it, but bad for doing it what what the gs right even already is like pained to do it was kind of just like hey here's the benchmark let's make sure we meet the benchmark and like not really wanting to surpass it or being motivated to yep so you know i think for the 800 it, it refreshed that bike it helps keep it relevant for the 1200 well that's the one i'm really curious to ride to see if that's gotten better if that's something we're like okay yeah i'm really going to replace the gs in my garage with one of these or this really takes the the mark and, and sets it higher um you know, if I had to boil down the 2017 Eichma show, I would say it's the show of middleweight adventure bikes. Yeah, no shit. I'm look, so looking at right now. Brand, it's like, wow, even Guzzi got in there. <laughs> Guzzi's got it in there with the V85. Now, that's a concept, but it will go into production in some form. Sure. Honda came out with the, <laughs> I hate this name. It's so fucking long. Honda Africa Twin Adventure Sports. It's basically the GSA of the Africa Twin. It's the more off-roady, bigger fuel tank, 24-liter fuel tank. Um, It's got all the crash bars and more uh, suspension travel. No no change in power, though, right? No, the engine's the same, chassis is the same. Just longer suspension, better ground clearance, more crash potential. It's it's literally what BMW does to the GS with the GSA. I tell you, it's funny to see some of the comments already on that. Like, oh, power. Oh, power. I'm like, all of you guys or, and girls, if you're saying this, need to fuck right off. I mean, that, I, I'm just tired of hearing that people think that they need more than 100. But at yeah. this stage, I get it that it's nice to have 120, 130. Absolutely. I get it that it's nice. But to, to put a bike in a, like, in a box of, oh, it's not good because it's not powerful enough. It's not going to allow me to do the things. Bullshit. Right. And I, I was a bit frustrated by that relative to the Honda being like probably the least powerful of all of them, but the most generally regarded as surprisingly good at all the things relative to that. When you look at a segment like the adventure touring segment, you're it's like the sport touring market too, right? Like you're trying to balance two things that are almost the antithesis of each other. And and you and you end up with you're saying off road capability and off road versus yeah. on road, right. And I would say a lot of the brands slant to more on-road capability where Honda was like, we're going to slant more towards the off-road segment. Sure. That is a bike that is built to go off-road. Now it's 500 pounds, which is a little too heavy. <laughs> and it's you <laughs> yeah, know, got sure. this big 1,000cc engine that only makes like 100 horsepower. You know, I, that's what I thought was interesting with the Duke 790 or starting out the, the 790 Adventure. Well, I guess it is a Duke 790 because we don't have specs on the Adventure. But it, it's making 105 horsepower, sure. which, you know, for the Adventure model perfect because anything more than 100 horsepower on the dirt is just wasted you know you're just i don't you're know what just you're chunking doing. up knobbies yeah i just don't know what you're doing with it um 
You're hauling ass on the straight lines when you put your 17 tires on it and or whatever street tires on it and you, you ride long distance. I get it. Right. I understand that. But the people that I see talking shit are usually like off-road people. It's like, you know, give me a break. If you're going to go haul ass off-road, you're not going to be on any one of these anyway. You're finding some sort of bizarre You're going to put compromise. it into enduro mode anyways, which is going to knock you down to like 90 to 100 horsepower anyway. So... Yeah, I'm with you there. You know, taking having ridden the Africa Twin in Moab, you know, it doesn't suffer from a lack of power on the street. Yeah, would I like more? Sure, absolutely. Um, my bigger issue is just like trying to figure out manual gearbox versus DCT gearbox. And it really comes down to where you're going to ride more often. I didn't like how the way the DCT operated on road. Now they've updated that. So maybe that makes it better. I don't know. I'd be curious to try the what was now the third generation Honda dual clutch transmission. Third, as in the original was the VFR 1200. Right. And then the second gen came out on that um, Batman scooter thing slash Honda Africa Twin. Now the third gen is on the uh, Honda Goldwing, and it looks like it's coming to the Africa Twin. Hmm. So I'd be curious to see. I'd be curious to see how I'm that's updated. I'm curious on all, any one of these bikes. So we're looking at the Honda. The oh, what's the, the next one would be Yamaha. That so that's a oh, still con- what man. a painful concept thing. So, look, so it's like the next level of the KTM where the KTM is just kind of tasting so, us, so but this, not giving us the steak, right? So, I don't fault KTM because KTM does the same thing every fucking year. Every year, they come out with a prototype version of a bike that will be a production bike the next year. They did it with the Super Duke, they did it, they're doing it with the 790 Adventure, they're doing it with. The, the 790 Duke, they yeah. did it with, um, I'm having to rack my brain as I go farther back in time, but th- this is this is the thing they do. Sure. And the other brands do this with different levels of skill as well. It's interesting actually to see what brands don't do this. Um, I, I find it really interesting that Ducati never comes out with a concept bike or any sort of it's prototype. It's been a long time. They did in the, in the early 2000s, the Sport Classics yeah. were concept bikes. Right. The uh, MH900E was a concept bike. Interesting. They're, they're both terrible launch bikes, and they're both when Michael Locke was a part of Ducati, and those are bikes that And the Hyper push. Motard at yeah. that time was a concept bike, right? Yeah. All of those were concepts that gauged, the, right? And the Italians have gotten so cocky about dictating what the market will want or bear Right, and I don't think it's worked out for well for him. But let's that's get to that. Note. Let's get to we'll that. Back we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to circle that. Circle back. Get your get your beverages ready. We'll circle back. Yeah, right. But going back to like like Yamaha with the T seven concept, you're just like this is the Tenere. This is the this is what's going to be the Tenere. And we've been talking uh, about this for two or three years now. <laughs> yeah, you know, it came out in uh, two years ago, and you just sit there and you're like guys like come on like i can see like maybe like the production or the testing like something didn't quite work right they realize the engine's grenade or the chassis isn't up to snuff and we've got to go back to the drawing board so to speak but let it let's let's put a let's put a concept and trying to keep people from going under the brands but like the second you come on be like oh yeah it's gonna be another year i'm like i'm already looking at bmws i'm already looking at ktms i'm already looking at you know everything else because every other brand is coming out with a bike in this category this year and I feel for Yamaha because, like, I was really looking forward to that bike. I think that'd be a bitchin' bike. That's going to go head-to-head with K- with the KTM. That's going to go head-to-head with those BMWs that just got updated. And then now you're going to leave it to be a 2019 bike. And I think they're talking, like, oh, it'll come out right around fall 2018. And you're like, yeah, but by then we're already getting teasers for next year's EICMA. So you're going to be dealing with all the 2019 bikes 
that are going to be coming out from all these other brands. Yeah, maybe that's just smart on their part because they're like, oh, well, everybody will be. There's nothing smart about that move. There's nothing smart. That's like, that's right up there in stupidity in terms of being like, hey, you're going to do a super bike death match. Yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to give you a bike for that. That's the same level of stupidity. Well, I thought maybe that my brain would be like, all right, we know what the other manufacturers are going to do. And we know that in 2018, uh, manufacturers XYZ and A and B and C are all going to be coming out with mid-range bikes. Maybe we will be the only one to come out with a, a mid-range uh, adventure bike in 2019, and we'll get all the all the the flair. That's a move you only willingly make when you know your product is going to miss the target. Why would I compete this year with all the other bikes that are better than me when I can compete next year with none of the bikes? I'll be the new bike, yeah, and I don't have to be as good because right, the bike enough. that's the best is going to be the most potent. That's the one that's going to sell the best. Now, you know, unfortunately for Yamaha, I think they're going to have to go compete against that 790 Adventure because it's it's right there. It's a parallel twin. It's that 700cc-ish class. Sure. Um, and, you know, maybe, you know, KTM's kind of tipped their hand a little bit showing the Duke, but, you know, like I would, I would, I don't know if I'd want to be in that, in that fist fight. No. That's gonna be that's gonna be a close one. That's yeah. gonna be a tough one. Now you're gonna like you're gonna lose sales because of it. Whereas sure. this year it's like, oh, BMW refreshed its old bikes. Yeah, but there's still BMWs. I mean, the chain's on the on the right side now. I mean, it's on the left side, but it's on the correct side. <laughs> but you know, other than well, that, let's like, talk argh. about that real quick then, because the Yamaha's like, okay, well, that's it. Sounds like it's awesome, but who cares? Because it's not coming. Yeah, the BMW biggest, the biggest letdown of the show for me was the the T7 concept oh, that Tenere sent. Sorry, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I'm, for me, it's like whatever par for course. So. BMW then they've changed the side which means the structure of the engine is completely different. They really revamped those bikes. So that's not just the same old same old thing that the bike that I loathed so much because right. it was boring and horrible. Perhaps they've done something that engine to make it give it a little bit of oomph. And they did talk about um the timing and the crankshaft is a different uh, orientation and I I haven't had a chance to to go back and look at what the old specs were to see if it's different because it's a little that's not like a spec that BMW really readily yeah, gives sure. out. And I've been so busy this last couple of days, but it does seem like there are significant changes to those bikes. I, I am, I do think that was a smart update. I was a little poopy on BMW because they came out with four bikes and those were two of them. One of them was that huge K1600 Grand yeah. America, which Don't care. really looks Don't just like a, a GTL. It's like a, I mean, I, I had to look at the two bikes back to back to kind of understand what the fuck the differences were. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess it is more sweet. Whatever, Goldwing. Whatever, Goldwing. It's That's just, all I'm saying. Like, you already have one of these in your lineup. So uh, what's the issue? And, and if, if anybody is dumb enough to buy one of those over a Goldwing, well, fucking, they deserve that. Ugh. They're heavy. They're, they're smooth. It's not a bad bike, but they are heavy and they are big. And yeah, it, it felt very awkward. I'm a big guy, I'm 6'2. And I had a hard time at low speeds and at stoplights and all that stuff, just keeping the thing balanced and weighted. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, what's sure. a smaller person going to do? So that, some big scooter thing. And then thing. a scooter, no, it's a small scooter. It's a 400cc. It's a 350, I think. That's not a maxi scooter? The format's a maxi scooter because it's that big kind yeah. of two-seat executive sure. scooter but it's their first kind of they have a 650 <laughs> and this is executive scooter well it is though like you see it like that's <laughs> that that's the pitch it's the oh. scooter for like the business guy oh. or the or the the well-to-do person of the house like I, that's like when i was in europe and i lived in europe the people that you would see riding those those big bmw scooters were businessmen in suits and wealthy yeah women running errands sure and, that and was you, that and was you, the and you're fair enough that because that as a legitimate thing that I don't, oh I don't think that's coming to the US I don't think so um, 
And then so, there were two 800s? Is that the deal? Or it's 750 and 800? There was a 750 and an 850. Uh, and they're basically, so what's that's the, what BMW's already done with that FGS class, is they've had a 700 and 800. And the 700 is just like more detuned. Wasn't some of, weren't one of those like the 650 engine, like a no, single? That, the, this is that where was the, so this confusing. This is where BMW's lineup gets super confusing in your model. I, I don't think you're wrong, but I know the 700 was an 800 for, for or has been an 800 for a long yeah. time. Yeah. It might have been a 650 for a while. Yeah. But there was a G650 and there's an F650 and it's like, that's when like it just gets really confusing. That's always been my issue when you get to that part of BMW BMW segment where you're just sitting there and it's like, I am so confused about what bike is what and what it's supposed to do. And I really had to like kind of like get my head around the 750 and the 850. But BMW made it easy where it's like the um uh the F750 GS makes um 77 horsepower up from 75 on the 700 series whereas the f850 gs makes 95 horsepower which is up from which is up from 85 so it made the stratification a lot more bigger a lot more bigger made the stratification a lot bigger it's huge so it's a little love it it's the best stratification oh my god it's the best it's gonna be huge the other company doesn't stratify nearly as well sad sad (laughs) (laughs) um i'm glad that's a part of our lexicon now sorry um so they've 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 gotten these bikes a little bit more far apart from each other, and that's good. So at least I kind of get it. I still think it's very a very impacted kind of segment sure. for for BMW, but also that's their bread and fucking butter. So they're yeah. just going to soak it up like a sponge, and they're fending off all the other brands that are coming in. Like, oh, you're going to make a single? We'll make a single. Oh, you're going to make an, a parallel twin eight hundred? We'll make a parallel twin eight hundred. Yeah, sure. Oh, you're going to make a a multi strata? We'll make a multi strata. Yeah, and, and they you know. Yeah, sales are good. They have they have dictated the market for a lot of people. For sales sure. are good. They are they are on the offense. Everyone else is on the defense. There. Yeah. Now I look at like a year like this, and I kind of look at like year last year, and I'm like, well, people are creeping in. People are catching up. You're gonna yeah, sure. you're 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 kind of lagging behind, but I wouldn't say they're ever our twelve hundred GSs aren't suffering. No, and I don't think that you're ever gonna. I think they've put such a stamp on it that there it would take tragic undoing for them to lose that control of that market completely over the course of decades it would take some serious damage well they've been smart they've seen the writing on the wall the gs has been a top selling bike for them for a really long time and i think they see the writing on the wall and they're like hey we have to have more bikes than just this so we're going to come out with that 310 series that small displacement we're going to come out with super bikes we're going to come out with multistrada bikes we're going to come out with goldwing bikes we're going to come out with you know you name the segment bmw's got a bike in it now bmw's one of the most diverse brands in the industry now and it and it's it's growing sales for them that's making money for them so i think that's that's very interesting now when the baby boomers walk off a cliff and are low and no longer buying motorcycles will gs sales go down almost certainly but you've got other bikes in the mix. You've got and your S one thousand XR for that kind of sure. more sporty guy. You've got your smaller bikes. You got or, they'll be you, okay. Whereas like Harley Davidson, oh, I don't own any Harley Davidson stock. Let's put it that way. Right. And I, what I what I would see in this case is the the smaller stuff helps get people that might not be able to afford a GS uh, twelve or aren't comfortable with the size, and you're going to get on one of these smaller ones, seven hundred or eight hundred, whatever. I, you know, Honda's even better off than that because they have it all the way down to 250. Shoot, 
But BMW will maybe eventually get to that. But I could see where this this will keep somebody in or maybe get somebody in. Absolutely. And then they will gravitate to the next. And this is something that Ducati is starting to get kind of good at. And, Not and, really. Well, but at least they're starting to. They They were good at it when it was the 750 Monster in the 1990s. Right? It worked for them very well. Ducati's, but, I mean, like, my rebuttal would be Ducati's middleweight superbike is 950cc no, plus. Right. Yeah, but Ducati's, are dead. Ducati's middleweight adventure bike weighs the exact same amount as the multi-start of 1200. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're really bad at a couple Ducati's things. Ducati's smallest displacement motorcycle weighs exactly the same as the Scrambler 800 because they're like the fucking same bike. Like there's, But it's smaller seat height, easier, less horsepower, all that stuff. They're trying. They're the trying. problem is at a cost of nearly the same as the other. So, you know, nobody in their right mind would buy that relative to buying a Japanese bike that's a 400, 500, whatever the the current range of smaller, sporty things, no doubt. Ducati's trying. BMW, I don't know. What is BMW? He has the 310 thing. Yeah, the 310, which they've got in a standard and in a adventure chassis, and they're coming out with in a small displacement sport bike, which I actually thought we were going to see this year. Um, but there's not there. Uh, KTM, really good because you can, they get kids all the way up from 65cc yeah. dirt bikes all the way through. KTM's biggest problem is KTM North America, which drives me absolutely insane. So KTM 790 Duke, yeah, we won't see that until fall 2019. That's a smart move. Let's let's just wait on that. Wait, wait, wait. Fall 2019? Sorry, sorry, sorry. 2018. Okay, as, so as a 2019 Nearly model. a year from now. It'll be coming out about a year from now, right in time for the riding season to be over for most states. Huh. Odd. Great. A plus. Oh, but we're going to bring the uh, Adventure 1290S uh, into the market, you know, because we saw that last year. I don't understand. It's like, hey, well, let's just wait a year on the biggest market for this bike. That sounds like a smart move. Yeah, I wonder how that's working out for them. They've been doing that for a long time. That's 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 typical. That's typical KTM North America move. So I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. It's just really disappointing because like you see, like KTM comes out with some pretty rad bikes, and you're like, oh, so it's going to be like a year, year and a half before I can get my hands on that. Yeah, I'm probably not going to be as excited about it then as I am. Oh, look at those new Yamahas. Yeah, look at that new thing. Yeah. Again, it's that same problem where it's like, oh, so the new thing that's being teased is going to come out in a couple days. And then, and then I'm supposed to like go down to my dealer and then buy this bike that I can't ride because it's winter now. That's not going to happen. Uh, but going back to what you were saying about Ducati, me as a Ducatista, and I've said this to Claudio, me as a Ducatista with two Ducatis in his garage. And I look at the lineup now, and there isn't a single bike that gets me excited. Mm. And I look at the bikes that they just showed in Milan, and the bike that gets me the most excited out of Ducati's lineup is the fucking black desert sled that's yeah. just got this kind of like retro paint scheme. We're like, oh, that looks rad. That yeah. looks super rad. That's cool. The bike's been out for a year, but that's what it took for me to kind of like get a little bit more serious about it. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, so it's just like, what are you doing right? I think there's a lot of people that are in the same boat. Uh, everybody's kind of chomping at the bit to get the superbike, but I don't know. I'm not. I I don't give as much a shit about superbikes any longer, and I think I'm not one of the. I'm I'm not the only one. I don't think I don't. For me, it's not like oh, I'm not into superbikes anymore. I'm still into superbikes. I just look at that bike. And I'm just like, you did all the rad things, but it doesn't look rad. Like it's just it's so stale. It's it. I think it on its own. If you look at it, you're like, yeah, there's some cool things about that. That's a good looking bike, but. Give me, I, I know the history behind it, and I know like where what what came before it. And I'm just like, uh, so like, uh, I'm gonna show up at like a bike night, and the guy that doesn't know his Ducati's really well, he's gonna come up and be like, cool, du- 
cool Panigale. How long have you you've had that bike for a few, a few years? Like he's not gonna be able to difference tell the difference between my bike yeah. and the V twin Panigale because they just look the fucking same. And like that's that's one of the biggest issues in the industry is this: we sell on on new, we sell on sex, we sell on like oh, I've got to have that thing, that product lust. And you just recycled an old old design. And I feel like everything in Ducati's lineup right now has just been recycled. Uh, a lot of the bikes that came out for this year are just recycled. Yeah, sure. Oh, Monster 821. Oh, great. Cool. So it's got some stuff from the Monster 1200, but more or less the same bike. Awesome. Wow. 959 with some Olins. And strangely, the, the lower spec brake calipers, but you're going to put Olins on it and call it a special. Yeah. Bizarre. Like shit like that. It's like, really? Why, why would you... Not make it like, I mean, I know you don't have to, it's not like you have to make it a super legere and put carbon wheels on the thing, but you're going to put that bike out there with the the non-M50 caliper. Right. It's just bizarre. Like, I just don't get it. Uh, and shit like that. Especially now when the M50 is no longer like yeah, the, right. hot, it's the, not hot the, nice, the hottest shit. So it's very strange for me to see something like that. The one that gets me the most, and I almost got into a Twitter fight. Well, not a Twitter fight with... Twitter but, fight. But Jason Chinook, the CEO at um, Ducati North America, he and I were... We're tweeting. We were Twitter painting. We were Twitter painting. And I almost wanted to like, because I was at dinner and I was getting a little snarky and I was a little angry. But I almost <laughs> wanted to get into him because I know he's from Colorado Springs and he was one of the driving forces behind the, the Pikes Peak bike. Yeah, sure. So I know it's a bike near and dear to his heart. And for me, seeing the Multistrada 1260 Pikes Peak. Now, there's no reason like this should irk me now more than it did in the past. It just does. That's the fact of life. But... I sit there and I watched, first of all, I watched the video, which is filmed obviously in Europe and not in Pikes Peak. And I want to be like, hey, if you're going to name a bike after a fucking mountain, shoot the commercial for it at the fucking mountain. Like, like you're, I'm sorry, you're locked into always going to Pikes Peak whenever you want to market this bike. When you do photos, it has to be at Pikes Peak. When you do a video, it got to be at Pikes Peak. You got to race it at Pikes Peak. You're, like you named it Pikes Peak and you were in yeah. for the, for the hill climb, like you're stuck. You're married. You're a lifetime of commitment now. Um, Figure out a way to get them to open up the gate, yeah. plow the road, put yeah. it in the snow, do something. Just whatever. Right? Well, that's the thing, right? So this is supposed to be, it's it's an S model and it's got all the sporty, like they try and make it look like the race bike, but it's still got like the shitty ground clearance. I'm like, you know what? If you guys are really going to get serious about this, don't just make it paint and some parts from the catalog. Like give it like real rear sets, give it real ground clearance, do it lower or something to make it, make it different enough in the, in the lineup. That like, man, that's the really sporty multi-strat. Yeah, like but they the haven't had to do R. that. That the, all the bikes have been, including the ones that I would help out with to get up the mountain, they would not have any of that shit, and they would be just fine. So they've never had to do that, yeah. right? But I, I, I mean, I get it. Like, it's it's authentic to what's being raced. So I get that. But there's a part of it like not enough this, differentiation. This is like your your super stinky, and I say that in a good way. Expensive, go fast. Like, ooh, that's the good shit like multistrada but it's really just paint yeah and that's like right. for me like like you had this opportunity to make something super cool like take a multistrada and then think about what that would be as like a race bike as a track bike like really like dive in there and do it like i would pay 25 grand or wherever that is now it's going to be like 26 27 because the prices just keep going up that's the thing though people are going to still I, pay that and they don't have to do shit probably other than different bodywork. probably Probably you're probably right, but it's just like for me, I'm just like, oh man, like there's such a moment there that's being missed that you could like take this Pikes Peak version of the Multistrada and just go like two standard deviations crazy with it and just be like, hey, yeah, the Multistrada is pretty good just as it is, but here's a crazy one. This is the one you're gonna take to a track day and embarrass yeah, like some. I can see what you're saying, some, and the early ones had CBR that. riders with the early ones had the I believe uh, forged wheels, 
But the funny thing is they come with forged wheels and some something else, maybe a couple little whiz bang. That's like paint and exhaust now. Right. But at that time, and then, then, but they didn't even come with bags. And oh, they had a little carbon windshield or something. And they would be more expensive. And people would buy that shit up and then buy the bags on top of it. It's like, ah, they can print money with that thing. And I, yeah. All right. That didn't excite me at all. But that for me is just like the V4. Like, here's an opportunity for you to do something really cool. And you did the like mediocrity cool. And it's not, it's a waste of opportunity. I don't want to talk about Ducati anymore. Yeah, we should end that for sure. Uh, we have to talk about the Scrambler though. The Thousand, no? What do you- oh, I think they made a really good looking monster. Yeah, fair enough. Or or a really or good whatever. R9T. I yeah. mean, like there's, there's there's a lot of hate they can put on that. I mean, we've been, we've been expecting that bike. We've been expecting that bike for a while now. They finally yep. built it. I think it's smart to have it in the lineup. It doesn't blow my hair back. The scramble line doesn't really blow my hair back at all. I like the desert sled. I don't know if I would buy one. All right. That's all we need to say. I'm with you. Now you put that 1100 into the desert sled. Maybe we'll talk. I don't know. I don't know. But nothing that's inspiring. It's going to get some sales. It's going to do fine. Um, Yeah. I don't know how much longer they can keep making air cooled bikes. Euro five is probably going to put those out of business, but. I'm impressed that they did with this one. Okay, so next would why, be... Why do they take so long, though? That's one of the things yeah, I don't bizarre. understand. Why yeah. do you have to come out with 12 different flavors of 800 and then finally give me, like, one flavor of 1,100? Well, get as many people out there on the 800s, and then so they have to then buy the 1,100? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, um, know. So that goes, I think, next. It segues from, the from say, the Superbike to what other Superbikes are out there. Well, not a whole lot going on. There's, like... Mm, no. Not this year. But the Kawasaki SE was definitely yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. I did not see that coming. I didn't know that was coming. It does. It's not a huge thing. So it's electronic suspension. It's pretty trick electronic suspension. It's Super. Showa electronic yeah. suspension. So you this and I... Showa's first foray yeah. into a, like a, a, a production level electronic suspension. We were very impressed with the Showa suspension. The, the stuff, for sure. Uh, what's it called? Big piston, uh, no balance, no, free. balance free. The balance, which is like um, oxymoron. Yeah. Isn't it supposed to be balanced? I want it to be balanced. Uh, I, I don't want, want it to I be balanced in my free. life. I don't want to be unless it's free balance, right? Give me some free balance. You want? Like, I like that free basing. That's a good ride. <laughs> free base and free get the balance. free basing forks. Ooh, <laughs> get you high, get you crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, very trick. Uh, suspend electronic suspension from Show uh, based on the balance free fork, which. I think you and I and Andy and Hannah all agreed were really good. Oh yeah, uh, suspension pieces. Sure. From from Showa when they were on the Kawasaki and on the Suzuki. The Suzuki. Yep. Uh, very impressive stuff. So to see them get into the electronic fray, smart. They had to though. They had to. Yeah, it was an eventuality. It's interesting that it happened on the on the Cowie. Um, the other parts of the bike, nothing extreme. It has the wheels from the R model. the wheels model. from the RR, yeah. Um, and it has a neat paint job. Looks good. It would be one that I would look at. I would definitely be... Um, I'm not sure if that's going to come to the U.S. Oh, really? Okay. You know, right. I, I got this feeling that that's not coming to the U.S. Oh, weird. Okay. But well, I could be wrong. I was I thought that way, too, about the, 10, the ZX-10 RR, and it showed up here and was great. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the fact that it's got the show of suspension, and it's not just like a, a special... Yeah, of paint that might that might do. Am I bring it in? One thing I noted on that was uh, there was a comment. Somebody said something about I don't know about uh, electronic suspension. You know, these things aren't made to be fiddled with. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm not sure about. I don't. I guess the person was wondering about the uh, mechanical fortitude of the of the suspension. You know, whatever. I'm I'm like, 
what the fuck are you talking about? Like right. like servicing it? Like, yeah, like no, I guess opening up I, the cap and getting I, into no, the shins? No, I think there's like the, you know, I, I guess this person's just imagining, you know, putting a screwdriver on something and click, 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 click. Oh, well, that's, you know, that'll just wear it out after a while. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Are you, de- what, like, did, did you hit your head? So, uh, so you know, I'm not sure how the Showa will work. I haven't seen it. But most times when you're metering fluid, when we're talking about damping, so when you're not dampening, right? Damping. I'm not peeing on it. It's not dampening it. I'm damping, or I'm changing the damping. So when you're clicking in the compression and clicking in the rebound, you're clicking in a needle into a seat, right? Generally, that is the thing you're adjusting. That's the one thing that you're adjusting when, and that's the only thing that you can. That's only one part of what is controlling the fluid flow inside of a fork or a shock. But it is, it's a range and that little, they give you that little bit of range for fine tuning, right? Where you'd have to disassemble the, the fork or shock and take apart the part, the valve itself. The valve is, uh, is comprised of a, um, uh, a few orifices and shims on top of the orifices that bend under uh, fluid force load. So all you're there doing with these is usually a solenoid on on the needle and instead of a detent instead of a, a thing that you actually have to put force against to to turn with a screwdriver it's just a the needle being uh, put put up and down and it could be on a thread it could be uh, uh, some sort of a solenoid basically i don't even know how they do it or imagine a solenoid and it is yeah. and that's what it is on the ducati uh, electronic forks which have been out now for seven years so whoever said something about this on that on that i think it was on asphalt and rubber i don't remember if, if i had posted that on two enthusiasts but it was like it, it's worked for olin's for the past seven years and it works fairly well actually uh so i'm sure and and it works pretty well for Saks as well on all the ducatis a similar type of mechanism so i'm sure it'll be just fine for showa that sounds like the same kind of people that i get in the comment section sometime when you see like in fact, I think there was a, a thing about this when electronic suspension finally came out and we were covering it. But I've seen it for a few like kind of things like DCT, the DCT gearbox, where they come out and they're like, oh, that's just one more thing that's going to break. That's just one more. That's one more thing that can leave me stranded on the side of the road. And you're just like, yeah. you're on a vehicle that has like 10,000 moving parts and they're just mass produced and they all seem to work just fine most of the time. Like, the internal workings of a mechanical engine like that that right there like blows your argument wide open where it's just like oh it's gonna be it's like, just yeah, a matter of time your and development could fail, your, your chain could fail a- your anything can happen, cams right? could fail your piston your rings your there's whatever. a point to that and i get it because if you do have more stuff on it yeah and you know what yeah maybe electronic suspension be one more thing and if you owned a ducati from 2010 that person would be right but it's not the the mechanical parts that fail it was the ecu and then you know that that was the the issue with those i'm pretty sure that uh, showa and uh honda who i think still own showa i'm not sure about that i can't and remember Kawasaki if they own it or not i think they let it go to make sure the shit's good what i see on the comment section is usually I need to say something. What can I say about this thing so that I put myself out there, right? That's what I see on yours. How can I get up clicked? How can I feel good about myself? And every time somebody responds to them, good or bad, they get that endorphin or dopamine or whatever release, serotonin, something that makes them feel better. It's like, ah, oh, somebody's paying attention to me, right? Hater, hater's going to hate. Yeah, this is true. Hater's going to hate. And that's it. That's, that's what boils down. That's very true. I don't think the person was hating. They were just bringing it up just so you could. So I would talk about it on the podcast, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, that's 
Anytime you wade into the comment section, you're going to deal with a certain kind of Never read the people. Never read and the some comments. of those people are just... I, I've discovered this self after a lot of like self... Um, development and like journey in life like i am i am actually an optimist i don't think people like realize this about me i'm a i'm a, I'm a pretty hardcore optimist yeah i agree with that yeah. because when i hear people get shitty about things like that or say they can't do things or or, or be haters or stuff like that, i just sit there and it's like shut up just go do it yeah just go do the or thing. get out of the way while i do it i went bungee jumping in in australia australia new zealand new zealand and you know with a bunch of people and I didn't know any of them. It's like, you know, he goes a group and like yeah. jump off the bridge. And the guy's like, all right, who's going to go? And like, there's like four people like, I don't know if I wanted it. Why'd you show up? Why'd you show up? Like you came here to jump off a bridge. Why, why aren't you jumping? I'm like, yep, sign me up. Let's go. I'll be the first one. I don't care. Dunk, dunk my head. Let's go. That's what I signed up for to do. You signed yeah. up to ride a motorcycle. You kind of threw caution to the wind. Like if you're a motorcyclist and you complain about things, like I just don't know who you are. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're doing true. something that's inherently dangerous. That's all about like your individuality and adventure and going down the dusty trail, the road less traveled and all these like cliches that we throw into the industry. You're supposed to be that person. So why are you sitting around on the internet just being a cloud of negativity? Yep. I just don't have time for it. Yeah. That's not what I'm into. I'm into doing shit. I'm, I'm into jumping off bridges. I'm into riding bikes and going on adventures and probably breaking down and having to like deal with it. Yeah. That's what I signed up for. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to look at it for sure. So, all right. Anyway, when we got off on. on the on the on the trail there. Meanwhile, uh, go back to so the Cowie was the only superbike thing. I think Yamaha had some uh, making an up the upshift downshift thing on their basic. R1. Yeah, whatever. just trying to keep it kind of relevant. The MV Agustas. Um, so so that was the thing that was really interesting. So let's take a moment and realize that MV Agusta usually puts on a big to do at Eichma every year. Yeah, it's in their backyard. And right? This year they didn't. It's literally in the backyard. Varese is literally up the street. It's just it's just the next town over. You can throw a rock at it. In fact, where the the Fiero is, where the the hall is for for Eichma, dude, they have Fieros there. Sweet, <laughs> not 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 the the Pontiac, the not the shitty little mid engine. No, they're car. rad. <laughs> mid engine fucking American supercar. America. Well, where I'm from, <laughs> Fiero. The cool thing to do was got a body kit that made it look like a porsche or not a porsche sorry, a testarossa. Ferrari testarossa hell yeah <laughs> you're just like see all these you see all these faux taros faux testarossas just Fodorosa. i love it <laughs> and you're just like you're just like and it's just like some like punk 20 kid from blackhawk who's just rolling around in his fake ferrari and you're just like get the fuck out of here like the bumper's like jiggling it's about to fall off it's, oh yeah it's cancer to the side and you're just like you're driving a Pontiac. No, no, there's they're horrible, but they're also pretty rad in their own way. I mean, it's cool, you know. Like, there's I, one, and you know, I just went on a rant about hating, and here I am hating. But like, <laughs> it's just because where I come from, fun. there's just there's just like a certain stigma. Like, oh, you got one of those? Uh -huh. When's your body kit showing up? Yeah, Did right. you go Lambo or Ferrari? Okay, cool, <laughs> cool, right on. There was one for sale in Astoria with a Dino, a Ferrari Dino, which is an early '70s V6. Uh, Ferrari. It was a weird thing because it was they they almost didn't want to call it a Ferrari because it was a V6 and not uh, you know a V12 or V whatever. Uh, so that body kit looked uh, pretty. I was like, hmm, so tempting. Hmm, would that be rad? But no, it's not. Okay, so Fiero, you were saying on the in, in relative to MV Agusta, ah, which should yes. now have a Fiero model. Uh, now we're talking about it. it. Should be fire for flames on it. We call it the Fiero. I want licensing rights to that. Um. They didn't show up, or they they, they showed show up, up, but they didn't do a thing. They didn't. Well, they they I think they had a yeah they had a 
a, a haul, but like they didn't do a thing. Like they didn't really send out any press stuff. The press site was down. The website was down. Like it was this whole craziness. And like, as far as I can tell, like, like the dragster 800 double R, it got the Euro four treatment like that. They basically just kind of got everything in line with, with their bikes. There were some updates to the RC models, but like really nothing of note, which is surprising because we were really expecting a 1200 CC Brutale. We've oh, been, I didn't know that. We've been told this over and over again. Giovanni's come out and he said it. Like this is like an open kind of secret that this is like the next bike from MV and this was going to be the year. Well, last year was going to be the year, but the, the money thing. And now we got the money. So it'll be this year, but it wasn't this year. So like, I think that Euro what 4 thing fuck? is kicking a lot of people's asses. And I think they, it kicked their ass They a lot probably harder. got involved and got most of the way down. And then when they had the real, you know, when they realized what they had to do to make a Euro 4 legal, it was probably difficult to do. Well, right? That's my guess. See that? I would say yes, but they've already made the Brutale three-cylinder Euro 4. And it's so like this dragster, like it was just them taking that new Brutale body, putting the yeah, you know, the revised 12, body the work on it. cc opens up a different thing, man. You never know what, what could. Oh, you think the new bike wasn't your? Yeah, four, that's right? what okay. I'm saying. That okay. they probably, if if there's a reason, if either that or the money's not coming from the Russians, whatever. I mean, that might be it. The Australians, Maybe, who, who is the where the Australians are the ones that are the importers for the U.S. for the U.S. The the, the Russians are they're the Blackwater. Right, right. Black Ocean, Black Ocean, or whatever. So Black Ocean is the one providing money. Maybe it's not coming out. Maybe maybe Putin, maybe, maybe they got one ping, one ping only. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe it was a Black so, October. Uh, we need know. another ping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need some more pings. One ping only. One ping only. <laughs> I love that movie. All right, so MV, uh, I will say that I saw some pictures of the MVs, and I'll try and remember to post up. I did some screen captures because my buddy Camming is there taking pictures of all the shit, and he loves to take awesome pictures. Well, I should say, he loves to take pictures of awesome things. His cell phone pictures are sometimes blurry, unfortunately. But there's <laughs> He's a, so excited. He is. He's, He's like just, the camera. But one of them was really interesting, the MV Augusta Superbike that's there for the World Superbike Championship. Yeah. The swing arm is completely different and the shock location is completely different it's within the swing arm and it's running off of an interesting little rocker that's attached to the frame in a really cool way and it looks like an old school style thing where they're actuating the shock within the swing arm huh. this is a classic move that i think honda did on the rc 211 v 15 years ago ducati essentially has been doing this since the 888 where the shock is not bolted directly to the swing arm ever it's below, direct it's got a linkage on top and a linkage on bottom and it kind of actuates against itself it's an interesting thing so anyway saw this picture and it looks super trick with the big aluminum uh, weldment of the swing arm yeah that's cool i think that's part of the reason leon camier left because i mean that bike is so old but it's so developed like there's just there's just nothing left that they can do yeah you know without a new bike to mulligate and and uh, start clean with you go that far they are Everything under the sun that you can do to that bike within the rules has been done, and that's that's the best it's going to be. And if you get to the point where you're relocating the shock because you need to get more traction or whatever, well, that's usually what it is, or better corner entry or something like that, holy shit, that's a lot. That's huge changes. So, you know, with, with that said, maybe that would be a cool change you'd see on the next year's model. It's also strange because you're putting uns- more unsprung weight sprung. So, I don't know. It's a It's a strange... It's a strange dynamic, and I'd love to know what the engineering 
premises uh, are and what what are the negatives and goods and seeing that in a show where they're just I'd, I'd never paid attention to it i'm sure if you went to a world superbike round yeah. you'd have seen it already but I, I had never paid attention to it so there uh with them it's kind of like bold new graphics on a bunch of the super bikes the dragster thing 800 looks cool uh yeah. nice the tail section and headlight look better but i'm again not something that i'm into spoke wheels with a single side swing arm yeah, whatever. I'd rather, a, I'd rather have a Brutale 800 RR. I think that'd be a bitch in bike. No, be 140 horsepower. Sure. That's like everything that I complain about with the base model Brutale, a bike I still really, really like. Yep. The 800 Addressed. RR seems to fix. That would be the thing. I'd be like, nah, that's the thing. You want to, mm. like, I should, one day I should write down, like, Jensen's shortlist of bike that I would buy. That would be on it. You should do that. Yeah. Um, maybe we should make a podcast out of that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Then that was what else is there what else you got i'm looking at right now i mean i hate i don't want to go back to it really but the ducati v4 speciale with the triclore but they're gonna put that exhaust on uh-huh makes 226 horsepower at the wrist pins i yeah yeah but still i mean someone was like well that's crazy I'm like well it's got 10 percent more displacement uh-huh. than modern super and revs and it that's, revs. That's what the one thing the Desmo system does really, really fucking well. And now you've just made the piston size way smaller and way lighter. Is revs the fuck out of it. So like, hey, it's making about ten percent more power than the rest of the bikes on the market with an exhaust. That makes sense. Yeah, I believe that. That makes sense. Uh, real quick, I wouldn't call it a correction, but it's something. It's a talking point. A lot of people think Desmo makes more sense at higher RPM. Only. If you count that the Desmo system can potentially allow for the ports to be positioned better because you don't have to have landings for the springs. Other than that, the rocker arms accelerating and decelerating, both the 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 closing and opening, because you have to have two. One for each, yep. um, that the the physics of it work out where it's better at mid-range and accelerates quicker at mid-range, but at the top end, you get such a boost from the spring pressure going the other way. Remember, you're you're collapsing springs in a valve spring motor, but you're also getting that energy back, and it becomes more efficient at higher RPM, whereas the Desmo gets a little bit less efficient at higher RPM. I knew that the, the Desmo system had a parasitic element to it, but I thought that was at lower revs. No, it's actually... It, it's, 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 as it revs higher, the, paras- yeah, the because, parasitic... Again, okay. because you're accelerating, decelerating those rocker arms. Those That's the main thing that's happening, and, and it's not... I mean, the valve's a valve, it's still... But... You don't have valve float like you would get. With you wouldn't know. Generally, so you can build the revs exactly and have the timing be correct and do all that without a, valve float to a point, And you're not gonna, but you know, to but the the energy, the parasitic loss from the mechanics of it, it starts increasing. Yeah. Okay. As opposed to the valve spring, which you'd think, oh man, when and, and this is what happens is people will take a, a motor turning tool and turn over a piston engine, a valve spring engine uh, bike without the spark plugs in it, and it's like. Oh, thunk, oh, thunk. Oh, I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before, I swear. And so it's difficult to turn that motor engine. So your brain's like, oh man, this is hard to turn. This has got to suck. You're not factoring in that when you overcome that spring pressure and then it accelerates forward really quick, That that's the energy I'm talking about, right? Because that's the feeling you're getting when you turn. Whereas if you take the spark plugs out of a Desmo engine, you can just take one finger. You don't even need to have both your hands on the the, the turning tool and you can just turn it and turn it and turn it. So people are like, oh yeah, that's that's amazing. That's like, there's no there's no energy uh, at all to turn this engine. Uh, 
it's it's a it's a bit of a mind fuck to think of it like this, but I had it uh, described to me in detail by Adrian Hawkins when I was at Motosys because we got into a very deep conversation about this very sure. thing when he took apart the Desmos Sedici RR engine back in 2008 uh, to do some bench testing, benchmark testing relative to the Motosys C1 engine, and we were talking about revs. And he he started, he was kind of, kind of it was like a spurious thing. He was like, oh, I'm not sure if that's the way it goes. So he gave Tony Wilcox, the other engineer, the, the chore, the homework for the night to figure out, do, run the calcs on what, uh, where the energy was. And he, then like within a, in a couple of days, because Tony was so into it, he came back with the figures saying, oh yeah, actually you'd be surprised. Sure enough, at the high RPM, at that 16,000 RPM, the valve spring engine is just just as good, if not better, than the than Desmo. So there's that. An interesting, if you can make the valve springs reliable and exactly, the which they have RPMs. for the past twenty years, thirty years, the valve spring technology has been pretty good. But with that said, the the highest level is air springs, right? So pneumatics, pneumatics right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so there we go. Uh, as far as the speciality, yeah, great. Uh, what is it? Thirty five thousand dollars? No clue. The, the thing is like. It comes with the exhaust, but it's one of those things where like, oh, that's the that's the high one. No, you just go buy the exhaust all the way, so they'll do it. Yep. And they should because ten percent ten percent more displacement, ten percent more power. Yeah. Not that it's a directly linear relationship, but it's pretty close. This engine is not going to be an R. It's not. It's the same as what they had done in the in the past, calling a tree calori. For right. some reason, they just decided not to call this one a tree calori, even though it, it looks like a it, tree calori. Right. So in the past, you buy a tree calori, and you're just one of the early adopters. You get a bike with some fancy shit on it. But you don't get an R necessarily, right? In this case, it's not an R. It's the same engine components in, in general, whereas an R model usually ends up having titanium this and that, titanium rods, a lightweight crank, et cetera. And that's eventually going to come down the line. I would assume that's what's going to happen next year for to homologate for yes. uh, World Superbike, right? Okay. And they can't deny that this year. They've already even said as much. Oh, that yeah. uh, they, they did that way back in the summer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's Whereas a the last known. with the Panigale, like, no, 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 no. We're not going to come out with an R. You lying sacks of shit. And of course they did. Yeah. Uh, here's one little wet your whistle. Indian Scout FTR 1200. Yeah, super rad. Right. Front, and I, you know what? I don't think there has been uh, a company that's created a full-on flat track, 19-inch wheel, you know, for the street bike. Now, this is a prototype, right? This is, this is, this is a... This is a tribute bike, is what they call it. Oh. This is a tribute oh. to the ass shellacking they gave Harley Davidson in American Flat Track this year. Sure, so, right out of the box, rookies, boom, boom, boom. Probably one, two, and three in the championship. Yeah. I don't even remember. But. I know they were one, two, three in a lot of races. So yeah. I would be imagining. I can look it up while we're talking. I don't know. I know Brad Baker ended up getting hurt some way through the season, so I wasn't sure if he if uh, if that's the case. But either way. They created an awesome machine that works very well and looks really good. Now, you have to admit, it looks really good. Yeah, I think it looks good. Not quite my cup of tea, but it looks good. Like, yeah, build it. Fucking just take my money and build it. Like, yeah. I, I would love to see a company come out with a bike like this. I think it is a huge missed opportunity for Harley-Davidson that they didn't. And I think Indian's going to come right in, soak it up. Don't know how many bikes are going to sell. I don't think it's going to be their best seller. No. But I think it adds a good sporty element to their lineup that they were missing that the Scout didn't necessarily bring. And, you know, the 1200 engine off the Scout, not the greatest engine in the world. I'd rather have that 6, 750 in there, like a road going version of that. But hey, I'll take it. And man, I tell you, it makes it closer and closer 
for me to think that they would create a sport bike in some fashion. That's the bridge, right? So you oh, come out man. with this flat tracker, maybe come out with like a sporty street fighter. Yep. And then boom, it's really easy for you to be making a super bike. And again, not there's that not that's much an easy thing to do. No, and and it's in this day and age, it, there's not a lot of market for that. But it would be the first real American superbike ever. All right. So this real bring, this brings up this brings up a a, a discussion that our, our mutual friend Ben Fox started on Facebook the other day. And he just posted out the question. When is somebody going to make it? I was like, yeah, we worked there because Ben and I worked together <laughs> in Moto Sis. I, I, I made comments. Like, we okay. we it tried. Got, it got heated in there and I turned off the notifications when Eric Buell showed up because I just couldn't deal with that Oh, depression. Eric Buell got in there? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny because I, I only commented. I was probably the second commenter. It was after me and a guy named John Costello who's a tech in, in, uh, in Chicago. I was like, oh, yeah, we tried that, Ben. <laughs> Moto says, sorry, but I didn't, I didn't watch the rest of it. So what, what was the general gist of it? I mean, everyone's in there like market can't support it, underfunded hero sold out Buell and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, Eric's a really nice guy. He's a good guy, but on like a business level, like just, just go back to the Buell show. We said everything we need to say about this in that show. I think it's like episode 29 or something like that. Yeah. We'll see my All piece right. there. My my only point to that was just to bring it up was the so our friend's comment was why isn't there an American uh sport bike company? And my kind of argument was or just okay, even an American sport bike like Harley. Well, right? right. And I my and I replaced an argument with replace American with some other country. Canadian, Nigerian, Costa Rican, whatever whatever you want it to be. And if your argument still holds water, I'll listen to it. But if if your whole thing is just like, why doesn't America make an American bike that's got America on it and Star Spangled Banner and eagles and and guns and an apple pie and apple pie, why why like oh was, oh because of patriotism you can't sell a motorcycle on patriotism Eric Bull learned that the hard way. I think his now, point is we have we should have a high level of production in the U.S. and I think we do and we do we right? make, we have we we rule the aeronautic industry we rule the space industry we rule semiconductors we rule all these we have three of the largest automobile manufacturers so you want to take something that's more like analogous we have three of the largest automobile automobile manufacturers in the world based right here in the u.s making cars right here in the u.s that are more or less well chrysler not so much but american companies through and through and, and through and and they're making at this time decent product right decent but high level, there's enough high level. Mar- the bottom line is there's a high, enough high level that we could somebody could be doing this in the United States. Yes. So I, it's just one of those things where like it just aggravates me because I think a lot of people are like their whole argument is just like I want an American sport bike company, I want an American motorcycle company because America, because America's great and Americans should be great and America's great. And it's like well, unfortunately, you have to actually build a product and sell it on the merits against other companies. And that's just how the global economy works. So if you're just coming in here because it's American, that doesn't really work very well. No, it's got to be good, which is where Harley never came but, up with good. But, but that's the thing. Harley is a club. Harley is a club of a really expensive and, you know, initiation fee and it costs you a motorcycle. It costs you like a $20,000 motorcycle, but then you get to be in the club and then you get to wear the jacket and you get to wear the hat and you get to go to the rallies and you get to get the tattoos and you get to go do the things and you get to go join hog and then hog sends you a certificate. And that's really cool. That's a club. It's a club. I think Indians doing a good thing with this to get back to it. I think Indians doing a good thing with the flat tracking. I think they've raised the bar. I think that if they come out with this FTR 1200 and keep it close to what this tribute bike is and not just like, 
hey, like we took an Indian scout and we just kind of like yeah. shellac. If they don't do the Ducati version of it, where you just slack some paint on it and call it good, if they actually engineer and be like, okay, yeah, let's 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 figure out how we can get this frame really light because that that bike's crazy freaking light. I know because it's a race bike and it's very close to the race bike. And that's why the worry is if they actually had to produce it for road going and DOT Euro four or whatever, that it would end up being a lot porkier, but I don't know. It starts off with that. So nice that there's a chance that they could do it right. This is what worries me. When you keep that scout engine, that 1200 CC engine, an engine that wasn't designed to be like a stress member of the chassis that wasn't, you know, yeah. all these kind of like weight saving, space saving kind of things that we see in modern sport bikes. It is going to limit your options exactly like you said, like, because they, they made this tribute bike weigh 427 pounds. The only way you're going to do that is if you keep the same minimalistic frame. But if you can't use the engine as a stress member to build the frame off of it, you're going to have to build this whole kind of crazy yeah, sure. backbone cradle, whatever yeah. cruiser style. And then we're right back to a 500, 550 pound bike. Yeah. So Which wouldn't be critically bad for that, but it would not be in the, for me, it wouldn't be the, the true sport oriented machine. That's where I go to like, Oh, but if you guys got that 750 engine that's made light and right and does all the things and uses like a modern, you know, chassis architecture. Oh, yeah. You know, my hormone monster is going to enjoy that. One thing I'll say about this one is it's the best um, use of a headlight in a flat track yeah. that I've ever seen. It's always so difficult because the, to get to capture the aesthetic of a flat track bike, you have to have the number plate positioned in a very specific way, and you have to have this sharp tail. And I don't know how to describe a flat track tail, but it's a, you'll know it when you see it. And then a very specific, like nice fuel tank. There's there's not a lot of design yeah. of these. You have to be very careful about those things that are designed. And this, they have it incorporated in a carbon, and the, the headlight's in a pretty good size, and it's set in it's the right that way. It looks daymaker really headlight that Harley uses, that Zero uses, that all these other brands are using. It's this LED headlight. It's one of the few like LED. Uh, DOT approved yeah. kind of turnkey headlights. You and can I'm get not even there. bothered by that. I'm just saying even just where it is and how it looks in within how deeply they set it into the into the uh, number plate, which is carbon and looks really trick and all yeah. that. It's really well done. No, I agree. And that, that's the only thing I was saying is like, I'm usually pretty shitty about that headlight. I don't like it. I don't like the way it looks. I don't like round sure. headlights. But it looks good. On but this. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm like, you guys did a good job on that. Yeah, whoever, totally. whoever designed that bike, whoever worked on that bike, you guys did a pretty good job. And take them, take them out and get them a couple mountain discs. <laughs> And friend, it's another another notable thing for me relative to this is I grew up in College Station, Texas, home of the Texas Aggies. It's all maroon all the time. I fucking hate maroon because of it. <laughs> I, I grew up around it. it, it I loathe it, right? Um, this actually looks really good. It's kind of a maroon. I don't know what you call that color, but it's as maroon as it gets for me. Oh, uh, it's and, a plum. I'm sorry, plum. Plum. Okay, so yeah. it has to have a, a little bit more... Uh, blue in it than a normal room, but whatever. It looks <laughs> it looks pretty darn good, even for somebody that had to grow up around that awful, awful, awful color all of their first twenty years. All right, what what next? What do we got? Uh, Royal Enfield twin. Royal Enfield twin. This blows my mind. Did you see that? I did. I didn't get. I, you nearly, probably weren't I didn't gonna, get nearly excited about it as you did. I'm obviously. not excited because it's awful. But I just thought it was of note that they just created an air cooled parallel twin like my. It's like my kryptonite. Like, I fucking hate that stuff so like, much. Here you go. But Quinn. here it is. And it's like, but, well, this, with that said, it's a nice, tidy little engine. And you know what? That's the first thing I've seen from Royal Enfield ever I, that I can think of. I think they came out with like a, 
some sort of a cafe racer a few years ago and that looked all right, but I know the engines are so shitty that I, I wasn't into it. So to see them actually kind of, oh, they're going a little bit and yeah. they're going to make a twin. <laughs> it's kind of cute. I, I think I, I saw a really good write-up about that on a website. It was called um, uh, com. <laughs> I just can't get excited about anything from Royal Enfield. All right, fair enough. Um, but Royal- I mean, I'm glad to see it in there. Like it's, you know, it's a interesting brand with a great history and, you know, coming from India and all that stuff. They're going to be the Urals of the hipster world, but, you know, you'll learn how to work on a motorcycle. Yeah, that's true. It's unfortunately so really you're gonna true. Learn, think of it this way. You're not so much buying a motorcycle as you are getting a very cheap education on how to become a mechanic. You're not just, and that's a good thing. It's not so much buying you're learning a motorcycle. You're a trade, Quentin. It's, it's learning how to clean up oil uh, off your garage You're going to buy so much fucking kitty litter. <laughs> Royal oil field. That's what we call them. That's what you call them. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about... Necking? Uh, did we already talk about the We necking? already talked about it last, last okay. show, but it's coming. It's going to be a thing. Do you think it's going to come to the U.S.? Yeah, I think they can not bring that to the U.S. I think, I think it's that's mostly gonna be, American. Right? I think that's going to be, yeah, I think that's going to be 12 kinds of weird. Um, property already un- uninvited from the press launch, but I'm going to find my find a way to get my little dirty hands on one because there's so many stupid things I want to do with a bike like that. That I just, I just can't wait. I think it'd be cool. I, I'm more the more the more I have to look at it, the more I'm interested to ride it. The less I want to change front tires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, no. I was gonna think like, could it be like that's not gonna take? Is it gonna be like the f- like how like how easy it is to change a rear wheel on a single sided swing arm? Where like it actually is gonna be easier. Yeah, on yeah. These? it'll be easy to take them off. Uh, I it looks so. I've kind of looked at it a little mm-hmm. bit, in that, but. The fact that you're gonna have to change two tires. Two now. tires is a lot. Oh man! You know, you know, your your dealership's gonna hit you on that one. And then you got like, I don't even know, like what service stands you would put that. I mean, I know. I was thinking I'm about the whole thing. Like, crane. wow, they're gonna have to come you out with some not... new stuff to change all those fork seals, dude. Oh, you got man. one fork. You seal blow go. one seal, you're blowing four. Like arr, you're getting arr, trained. Arr, arr. <laughs> go down to the docks at late at night because you're gonna have to blow blowing a seal. seals. <laughs> man, oh, no, it's just ice cream. <laughs> and that's why we have the explicit writing on iTunes. <laughs> um, I got an email from a guy who's like, I can't listen to your show with my with my kids. And I'm like, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not that's design. That's not us. That's not this show. You want to do that? Uh NPR would be really great for you. I don't know. Go listen to all things considered and hate your life. Um, bu- 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 I want to talk to you about the supercharged disappointment that was the uh, Ninja S. Oh man, H two S. Part of me was super stoked to see the one. The first picture I saw was with the bags two up, like it looked like okay. Then I saw the front end of it. This is a total butterface bike, man. It is put a paper bag. If you took your hand and you cover the front end of it, <laughs> hold on, hold on. The gotta, rest of the bike. Let me get a picture up of it, and then yeah. I can try this out. No, if you put, if you cover, I, I oh, even yeah. a side view, even the side view, oh, and yeah. you just put your hand over the it's like this, yeah, or this, no that, this, or this. It's like the autometrist. What this, right? Or or, or this, or, or yeah. this. You know, but even from the side, it's and this is this is a good show. radio, by the way. Um, yeah, right. Uh, Jensen's showing me a picture of the bike two up on an Autostrada or something like that. Or oh on, yeah, they're in Europe. Then and, and hauling ass, and it's green and black, and it's going. It looks cool. I, know, but, I think I just realized it has a single side swing arm. 
It's the same thing as the, the freaking H2R. Yeah. 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 No, why wouldn't that, they? Uh, that kind of makes sense. It's an H2SX. So like yeah. it's going to have the same design language. For me, the disappointment just comes where it's just like 200 horsepower. Cool. What did you want? I don't know. It's 1,000. I mean, I guess I guess when you look at like sport tours, the, the power gets tuned more mid-range. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think all those bikes, at least the H2 models, they should just all make 300 horsepower. Just be like, fuck it. Just whatever. Just fuck it. Or at least 250. I, I think they're probably under pressure from... I don't know, like governmental agencies and nah, I don't no? think they give a shit. I don't they're, know. They're, all, all the agencies care about is, is noise and emissions. And I, I think, I mean, I'm a little poopy because it's not a bike. I'm like excited about, I was excited about before I saw it, let's put it that way. But I am excited that Kawasaki is really committed to the supercharger thing. Yeah. Like this is, well, this is the third model that they're, they're calling, but like, they're going to have like a whole boatload of these models. And I don't think we're going to see too many more 1000 CC ones. I think we're gonna start seeing smaller displacement ones. And I think that's going to be rad. The thing that kind of kills me though, is like, Quentin, what would you, what would be your guess on how much this bike weighs? At the uh, curb. 550. Pretty close. 564. Fuck that. Right? Yeah. It's tough. I mean, if I want to hate my life that much, I'm going to go buy a Honda VFR 1200. Hmm. Cause that's, that's, mm. it's about, about the same. Everything yeah. about that is just kind of the same. We're yeah. like, Oh hey, I bought a really fat sport. Bike. Well, I, I would wonder what the, what the situation is from an engineering standpoint. They still using the trellis frame, which, yeah. you know, trellis frames are rad in certain circumstances. I would say in a thin bike where you're not having to use as much trellis to like a Ducati, that makes more sense. This is a big narrower, bike. Narrower engine. Right, narrower. This is big bike. And it's a big engine. It's going to take a lot of structure, so it makes it even heavier. Why didn't they do, um, uh, you know, an aluminum beam frame? Why have they diverged from that? But with that said, I think the trellis is the way to go. It's just that's part and parcel of why it's heavy. And they made a big touring bike, so they're going to have to have the structure to hold the bags and hold the the, person on back and all the stuff, right? But even the H2 was a heavy bike. It's just a heavy platform. Yeah. There's something about that engine. There's something about that frame. Sure. It's just, she's just a big girl. Well, you know, and if you're going to make an engine that's going to be capable of 300 horsepower, the parts and pieces are going to have to be large. The bearing surfaces are going to have to be thicker. The crankshaft's going to have to be larger and stronger. The rods are going to have to be heavier. All of that stuff is going to be part of the deal. But it doesn't make 300 horsepower. It makes 200. No, I know, but the, the original design intent for the first one was, yeah. right? The H2R, right? H2R. The H2, though makes you know sure but it has the same engine cases right so it's the same bearing sizes it's probably the same crank or something similar etc etc so they can't they have to be careful about how um how much different they're going to make each one of these things it's part of the production process right so yeah i don't know i don't know man i mean i think it's rad i think it's rather doing it i think the execution is not quite living up to the hype yeah but I'm I'm stoked to see what comes down the pipe still. I'm used to, I guess here it is. I am so used to Kawasaki heavy industries making big heavy bikes. And and they I think with the exception of like the 2004 ZX10, which was like the first thousand. Yeah, I remember that. And it was light and yeah. and scary and fast and can't think of too many other. I mean, their 600s have always been fairly light. But they don't do a good job of like having that as a design ethos where or engineering ethos is like light first, period, light first. That's what we got to have, right? So, because they're used to making oil tankers. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's where the design philosophy sure. comes from. 
Uh, we should probably talk briefly about the uh, Husqvarna lineup. Yeah. Vipolin yeah, sure. 701 finally becoming a production bike. Is Smart- that going to happen for this coming year or not? Yes. That's been the thing, though, because it's been around for so long, and we've been expecting it, inspecting it, expecting it. And now they're like, yes, it will be here. I think I even have a note on when it'll actually be in dealerships. No, I don't. But it'll be here soon. That's one of the few bikes that I would... You know, the first first one being that Honda 400, where I'm like, okay, take those stupid carbon fiber wheels off of it, and I'd be... Oh, the CB4. Yeah, the CB4. Yeah. I want that. I, that. That makes me lust. That makes me like want to ride it. You would ride that even with the little turbine that it has yeah. instead of the headlight? Uh, well, that's adorable. It is. It's cute. I, I think that's cute. It powers the dash. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Shut up. It does. Seriously. Yeah. So the the... The thing spinning the thing creates the, the, the little electricity. Can you put a gerbil in it? I mean, I think you'd probably you're gonna you're gonna go through a lot of gerbils. Yeah, well, you're gonna park the thing. Someone's gonna steal your gerbil, and then your speedometer doesn't work. Yeah, you just don't don't go to Hollywood and be near Richard Gere's area, right? I feel like that's a myth. <laughs> I feel like that didn't happen. He was. I want to wear my Richard gear. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any Richard gears in the gearbox? I was gonna say, is it a six-speed gear? It's a dick. It's a dick gear. <laughs> um, so yeah, that one, and then the the visit Vitpolin, Vitpolin, and this Vartpolin. So that's the Vitpolin. The Vitpolin is the, the one, Vit- the seven hundred one, and the, that seems like a reasonable. Well, they're both seven hundred ones. Okay, I thought it was a four hundred. There is a four hundred model as well. <laughs> so that's so that's been the thing. So Husqvarna comes out with all these cool street bikes, and then has failed to bring any of them to market. Yeah. We're like, oh, it's a production model. And you're like, where is it? They're all coming. Uh, I think they said they're, they're all being production um, Produced. early this, earlier this year. All early, right. early, sorry, early 2018. All we'll right, so them. I would assume, again, you're most likely dealing with the onslaught of Euro 4. Oh, my God, we have to do so much more to make these bikes legal. No, because those bikes are KTMs that are already Euro 4 compliant. I think that is, oh, my God, we've got to build these bikes how do we do it? And we don't have an assembly line yeah, and we're not okay. really a, com- a country, for a com- country. We're not really a company that's built for this. And oh, by the way, we got to get our dealers. And yeah, sure. I think they're just truthfully, there's probably just some mismanagement going on there. Yeah, may- maybe so. And I know that they're probably looking at the same issues that they've ha- always had with KTM. When I say they, that I mean the parent company, which is dirt bike shops trying to sell street bikes and being woefully un- inadequate at it. Right. So, for these bikes, I don't think it's as far of a stretch. I think a 501 or a 701 street bike, not hideously complex, not obviously a sport bike or an adventure tour or anything like that, and a Husqvarna dealership. And most of these current Husqvarna dealerships are new-ish, and they're hipper, and they're less, you know old school mom and pop. Sure, there's plenty of them that are, but I think there's a little bit more of a bend away from that. And you know what? Maybe they won't. And maybe the 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 North America Husqvarna KTM will kind of look at this and say, all right, we, we know what we're going to have to do. We're not going to force feed these bikes like we tried to do with, a, say, an RC8 at a known hardcore dirt bike shop. They, they faltered because of that. It was yeah. a huge problem for them. And I think they've learned from that. So I, I would wonder if if that's how it's going to work. And also the same shops wouldn't be as, oh my God, with a 701 street bike, it's still single, 
It's still light and right. It does look fucking cool. At the end of the day, you're just selling a bike. Like, how, like yeah. you're selling a bike to a dirt bike guy, selling a bike to a street bike guy. Yeah. Is it that different? Well, it, it is different I enough, mean, I think, in this day and age especially, especially from a sales standpoint. You got to get somebody that's stoked on the product and excited. And yes. I don't necessarily think that all dirt bike people are stoked and excited by by street bike. No, not all dirt bike people, and vice I would versa. say, are street bike people and vice versa. Yep. There is there is like a Venn diagram that doesn't have some overlap there. Because uh, I know some some dirt bike guys, that are like, they're just totally clueless on like what that Yamaha Jixxer CBR is. Yeah, and they don't want anything to do it's with it. Not and you know jam. what? I understand that. They're more just like that quad over there. That's a sweet quad. Or that you name the old dirt bike or right. new dirt bike and they know all the specs right. even though we would look at all the dirt bikes and you could cookie cutter every single dirt bike made for the past 20 years they all look the same but if you get into it then you know right and the the two stroke to four stroke the the four stroke to two stroke to electric the all the all the stuff that's going on now i'm dealing with from an alta standpoint sure. because it's like that's part of the culture is like whoa you're breaking into some some ground that's oh, not, yeah. you know, this is this is old school star wall stalwarts that just want motorcycles to be dirt bikes and that's it. Right. Back when dirt bikes were just motorcycles with knobby wheels. Yeah, sure. That's all it was. That was all the difference. Yeah, right. So I'm yeah, I'll be curious to see. I want one. I'll say this: the 701 Vipillin. I want one. I, I desire one, and that that's of note because not many of these bikes that we've been talking about today. I'm like, ooh, I want one of those. How much is it? Could I? How, is it going to be ten grand? Is it going to be fifteen? Oh, right. And I'm starting to think about it. Like that would be a neat bike to have for around the town in, in Portland. The four hundreds, maybe I don't know, but uh, the seven hundred one for sure. Hey, if the, I was starting out on a new bike, first bike, I'm kind of a hipster kind of guy, anyways. I'll be looking at one of those four hundred ones. Yeah. The thing I'm not quite sure if I'm stoked on is the Svart Pullin. Okay, so I was wondering about because uh, I was I think I was calling it the Shark Pullin. So what what's the difference between so that's the, a more that's a more I'm showing Quentin a picture here. That's the more oh, kind of scrambly, yeah. flat tracky kind sure. of version. That's and that's always been the Vitpolin has been the kind of cafe racer, yep. street bike ish kind of thing. And the Svartpolin's been a more of a scrambly, flat tracky, yep. dirt bikey. They always got kind of the um, so Pirelli. they're both going to be either four hundred or seven hundred variant. So then, so that's the thing. So easy way to think about Husqvarna's line is you're going to have Svartpolins and Vitpolins. And then they're going to come in different sizes. We have right now the 401 and the 701. And there's kind of talk about like a 1301 that might use the Street the Fighter engine. Do you think they're the same frames or are they, you know, do they do they share any components? To what? Each other, like the Svart and yeah, the Yeah, the Svart and the, and the Vits share a lot of components. Okay. Because they're based on the same chassis They should be. I, I would engines. assume so. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. Same engine. That, that's really, so the, the Svart Balloon versus Vipolin is really a styling difference and kind of like a segmenting difference yeah sure whereas the numbers there's some knobbies really on that thrown in like 19s. the platform difference yep. right sure yeah okay so Very yeah cool I, all of it's good by me but you're not as impressed with I'm the not in, i'm not digging the svart 701 the svart balloon 701 as much as i thought i would be again it's a concept so we'll see what the production bike looks like but i was kind of like that one like i've been digging what kiska has been putting out for a while and that one for me i'm not as i'm not as tuned into so i don't know get us a a, the inn at kiska i want to go there we should we should do it we should show up just be like hey do uh, do you know who we are we're uh, the two enthusiast podcast (laughs) we're here to uh we're here to check out your shit (laughs) and then that's right when the cops show up (laughs) oh all right 
Well, I, 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 I love that area. I love Salzburg. One of my favorite cities. I don't know enough about it. I've only driven through one part of. Have you seen The Sound of Music? Yeah. Salzburg. Yeah. Like all that was filmed there. I've had Salisbury steaks. Is that? That's very unsimilar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the poor man's hamburger. <laughs> okay. Uh, where are we going? Where are we going from here? Uh, I got Huskies. I got more Huskies. Oh, Quentin. We saved the best for last. Oh, did we? Okay. Yeah, we did. Hold on. Let me click the photo. We got to talk about... This bad mama Gemma. Oh god, yeah, I forgot. Fucking winglets, bitches. <laughs> so Jensen just showed me a picture of the. All right, I, I, what kind of alphabet super we're we gonna be talking about here? So, so this is. So first of all, I need to clarify something because I, I think people got a little. They didn't read the story. I oh, discover sometimes do you know? people don't read things; they just read like a headline what and they react. Think? What do you know? Sure, yeah, that's great. Um, so we're looking at an RSV4, an Aprilia RSV4 with winglets. Well, actually, they're not winglets. They're aerodynamic ducks because they're winglets. Um, or you can look at them as the most expensive GoPro crash bars that have ever been invented. <laughs> That's not my joke, but the person that, that said that joke can't take credit for it. So now I'm just yep. going to own gonna, it. Own it. Yeah. Um, so what this is, and we've talked about this on the show before, Aprilia has what they call the factory works program. And that's basically, you can call up Noale, talk to Aprilia Racing, and be like, hey, I want a super sport, not super sport, super stock, super bike, da-da-da, yeah. whatever spec, RSV4, all the way up to like near MotoGP spec with pneumatic valves that makes 250 horsepower. And then and they, here on the other side, you hear, bippity-boppity. Hey, bippity-boppity, <laughs> give me the euros, okie-dokie, I'm a Luigi. <laughs> and they go and they build it, and they send it to you, and it's, and it's rad. And I think that's really cool that there's like a... I think every factory has this on a certain level. If you know the right people, yeah, if you know sure. everything, but they formalize the process. You can be Joe Schmo and call them up. You call through your uh, local dealer and you can get a super stock spec Aprilia that makes, well, that was one of the things like there's a super stock, super stock one package and it takes an RSV four that makes like just under 200 horsepower. I think it's like 198, 197 off the top of my head and it'll make 215 they put in new pistons and some stuff and they change some bodywork and it's basically a turnkey race bike so a part of that super stock package now is that you can get a rsv4 with winglets attached to its fairings which isn't that big of a deal at the end of the day but i think it's pretty fucking cool and a lot of people on the internet seem to agree with me but it's not that the 2018 rsv4 yeah. has been restyled no. and now includes this which I think they should do by the way maybe not like the way that this looks because this looks just kind of like yeah man Meh. that's afterthought ish I, yeah. I wasn't too excited that's an engineer it. making that not a designer yeah that's I, that's romano not miguel yeah well that's probably truthfully it's probably like the intern yeah it looks kind of better from the side yeah it's fine it's yeah. just not my jam whereas if Ducati would have come out with that's the thing. If they would make the that's the, the R model Panigale V4 with winglets that are similar to the current, oh man, that that That'd would be, be so for me the only way Ducati can totally redeem themselves with the V4 Panigale because that's some that was a rumor I was hearing a little bit was 
we're investing a lot in aerodynamics in our MotoGP program. We're investing a lot in this because this is something we want to take. Well, not only because we want to win, but this is something that a DNA part of this package that we want to bring to the street bike. We're bringing the V4. We're bringing the chassis. Well, yep. We're not bringing the chassis, but we're bringing all these things that are MotoGP derived. I don't know. I mean, you say we're not bringing the chassis. Hold on a second there. Let's think of like, that's one thing we should talk about with that bike then is that chassis is markedly different than the Panigale chassis. Yes, it is. And it is markedly different in that it looks a lot closer to the MotoGP than, than the, the other one. The original box on the top of a Panigale that bolted to the cylinder heads. That's was, what they call the monocoque chassis. Right? It was just a, yes. a trapezoid-shaped thing, and it was, it, it, it was very similar to the MotoGP bike that won um, or, or was close to the one that Pretty won the championship yeah. in uh, uh, 2007, 2008. Yeah. Very similar, same type of design architecture. This one is kind of a weird blend between that and then what ended up being the aluminum frame on the Rossi bikes, right? With the frame spars that dip way low. And I've been, we've been watching this since MotoGP started, where the take point where the the it bolts at the bottom is really low, and that tuned area for flex seems to be the the crux of making the chassis work well. So when my, I, at the first time I saw the bike, I didn't see that. I'm like, oh, wow, it's weird how the aluminum beam is kind of flowing to the back. When we saw the pictures from uh, inside the Ducati factory that surfaced about a month ago, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But I didn't see that it dips down that far. So the first shots of that, I'm like, whoa, that's, you know, we've got a live one here because that means you might end up getting back some of the feel that they lost. Yes horribly with the Panigale, which every time I ride a Panigale, they're fast and all, but they, I just don't have the same confidence that I do, say, riding an A48 or a 1098 or whatever, because the squishy, flexy, whatever it is that you get out of a out of a, a chassis, yeah. You're, you're talking about this little yeah. arm that comes Co- down. And Absolutely. And you look at any, <clears throat> again, horrible radio, but you're talking about every modern sport bike design has this kind of finger of the frame that comes down, Way down. perpendicular to the road that, that's that's grabbing the engine yeah. along its side and, and giving it kind of a torsional origin. And for some reason, they have to go way, go down way far to get the bolt instead of being up towards the front of the or top of the engine right. where you'd think, oh, well, less material, uh, easier to manufacture, whatever. No, 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 no. It's all about the, the flex. And Ducati was trying to overcome that by having the engine be that part of that frame instead. Yeah. And that was part of the one of the issues. Sure, with it was stiff. like it was too stiff. You you built because this engine you have to make it stiff because an engine has to stay in the same place, right? And it can't flex. Yep. And so you're making a smaller lever arm out of this carbon fiber or aluminum, what they're calling the monobock, a monocoque chassis, and now they're calling it the the front frame. I think is what the the, the nomenclature, the preferred nomenclature for the dude. Ducati's. It's interesting to note. In the press release, Ducati made a distinction in its wording between the Panigale's monocoque chassis and the front frame chassis found yeah. on the Panigale V4. Yeah, and, and, it, is, and it is different. Um, but that's still not the twin spar aluminum frame no. that's on the no, it's the not. GP but bike. It's that's, the, it, that's the distinction I'm trying to make. Where it's like it's not that. No, it, but it's an in between, and I, I think it is. It's I very much it's, an in between. It's more. It's closer towards the MotoGP, which I think is a great sign that they are taking what they're learning in the MotoGP realm, especially with aluminum, and saying, "All right, we can apply this to this," and then seeing how they scissor it with the uh, with the rear frame, and instead of if you notice on that bike, they they the takeoff points where they actually bolt the 
rear subframe are onto the front frame instead of onto yes. the cylinder heads. Yes. Um, there's a few other really interesting tweaks and um, and spots on that where where that. the rear of that uh, front frame bolts up to the bike on both sides. There are intermediary brackets that kind of spread the load on the on the cylinder heads, which I think indicates that they're made the the engine lighter and put more stress into the structure that they made instead of having to make the engine heavier and bolting the frame to the engine. Well, itself. that's one of the things that, um, you know, I think Ducati was kind of clever with their marketing where they were talking about the engine only being, what was the figure? Six pounds. F- 4.8 pounds heavier than the previous one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I without, think they made it lighter. But because lot. they weren't, so focused on yeah. hey we got to make this this is a part this is such a huge part of the frame still a big part of the frame but not as much as it was on the super quadro we can take some weight out we can take some thickness out we don't have to over engineer this to be this sure. this thing because we are creating a chassis that's got a little bit more of a chassiness to it than, than mm, the, chassiness the chassiness the bottom line is that front pickup point being so low in the engine puts a I don't know what you would call the the, the lever. You call a lever arm, but it, it, from the steering head where all the forces are going from the front wheel, then there's another, it's a further point away. Well, you're making than, a bigger triangle. Yeah. And I mean, it just I mean, that al- point allows making... more area to, to do a little squishy chassis stuff. Yeah. To go back to it though, winglets. I think the R bike should have winglets. I on. hope it does. If it doesn't, I'm going to just be like, all right, pansies. Because the current... MotoGP bikes looks really bitchin', I think, I, with the winglets on, whereas the first iteration that came out earlier did look hammerheady and stupid and almost comical. This one looks mean, and I like it. Something. Do something. Like, I don't know if it has to be the ducting that's in MotoGP now. Sure. I think that was the issue. It was like, they're like, well, we already got our solution. I think I think put some wings on it, make it look like an H2. Looks good. I think <laughs> I, yeah, I'm all about it. I want wings. I mean, I had like eight Red Bulls in the last 48 hours, so I'm all about the wings. I want the wings. Give me the wings. All the wings. Give me more wings. Um, But Aprilia, Aprilia gets to be like the classic YouTube commenter first. First. And nothing else from Aprilia this year, obviously. No, not too much from Aprilia. Um, I think this year was Moto Guzzi's year in the Piaggio family, so we saw that, that V85, which is kind of like the Stelvio, coming back. Um, they updated some stuff on the um, V7, V9s. Uh, there was something else that happened that I can't recall. Piaggio is finally putting into, or sorry, Vespa is finally putting into production that electric scooter. Um, so there's there's some stuff coming from Piaggio that's clever and interesting, just not so much from Aprilia. But, you know, one of the best superbikes on the market so yeah sure what do you really expect it's going to be a very interesting benchmark with the panigale yeah it'll be interesting i can't imagine that the panigale isn't going to be better well it's got 100 more cc's <laughs> no that's the thing that bothers me at the end of the day. like well yeah well, it's gonna have 100 more cc's and i can kind of understand like ducati's yeah. arguments like well you know we figured out a way to make bikes really light so if we can get away with having more displacement and not having more weight yay us but i mean it just makes it's just I, I my OCD just hates like non apples to apples comparisons. 
Because then the lawyer gets to be like, well, on the one side, there's this. And on the other side, there's this. No, no, they're, da, da, both, da, da, da. they're both open sport bikes, right? So it doesn't really... Like, you could put a 959 in the mix with them and rate them all together. Like, I would want to test them all because I I know that 100 cc's doesn't mean more lap time. Yeah, but Ducati wouldn't give us a bike for that, so it doesn't matter. All right, for sure. Uh, anything else to talk about? No. Any, any other bikes strike your fancy? Arch. 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 Yeah, we got to talk about Arch. Arch um updated their the krgt1 which is like the power cruiser that everyone's kind of seen for a while blah that got updated for 2018 it's better it's euro it's still, four it's euro four compliant so that's cool and it's still a big american v-twin knockoff and a bizarre chassis sport bikey thing not quite my cup of tea but i don't hate it no neither you do gotta I. you gotta go you gotta come down to socal with me and we'll go down yeah and yeah for sure seeing it in person and getting to see the details they did I'm all a, that shit in house and they I, got the I whole shop imagine. in the back like it's For impressive sure. what they're building in house what they're doing for sure the the one that was interesting is this the the newer prototype one the method 143 is that what that okay they're the only method. making 23 of them m-e-t-h-o-d man um so method 123 143 143 i wonder what that was 143 cubic inch motor. Oh, okay. gross fucking so huge that's like 2300 what how much? How much? What is two point three liters? Oh my god! Is that um, right? Okay, so uh, the thing about that I, I don't bike, do cubic inches to yeah cubic centimeters very no, it's well. Horrible. Um, so the if you look at the details on that bike, a lot of interesting carbon work. Yes. Um, interesting for sure. I like the feature where the shock kind of goes through the 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 frame at the back of the uh, and then the exhaust itself is the the look of the bike is really good. And it's going to be more of a standard roadster naked, whatever you want to call it. I guess roadster because it's such a fucking performance bike. I think it'd be, I think it'd be bitching uh, a lot of carbon pieces, but there we're talking hundred grand bikes here, right? Easily. Oh yeah. Um, I think so, I was told off the record how much it costs. And, um, I just remember it being a really big number. So that's the thing is for most people, it's just kind of like a strange, it's like an echo say Remember yeah. those? Yeah. Kind of like weird flights of fancy where cool. some, Somebody's got a lot of money and But you're gonna you know they're gonna sell twenty three of those. They probably already got the pre orders for them. Yeah, possibly. And that's cool. What I'm interested in is what's next? When are they gonna create something that's a little closer to mainstream? Because it seems like they've got some serious backing and uh serious funding and you know, like they're serious. And I, I know just from my affiliation with some of the people involved, it's like they they're no bullshit, right? Yeah, I think I think they've they're onto a good thing. They just came out with their second model, the One S, which is based on a concept bike they ran up uh, Goodwood, the Goodwood Festival of Speed with Keanu. Uh, I'm trying to remember who wrote it. I don't recall, but it's got the single sided swing arm. It's got some air scoops. It's got this really weird looking exhaust. Oh, yeah. I think it has it, the Periscope exhaust, uh, yeah. like the aftermarket for some Ducatis, right? Yeah. Uh, double dog or dog double. Double, double down, whatever. dog, downward dog. Yeah. It's one of those. Um, so, I mean, like, they're making some interesting bikes. They're not quite in my kind of, like, interest zone, but they're sporty enough, and they've got enough, like, exotic materials and craftsmanship that, like, it piques my interest in other ways. Like, am I putting one in my garage? Like, no. It does. There's nothing about that where I'm like, oh, that. I need to have that. My precious. But I, like, when I see one, I'm like, you guys did some shit. Yeah. That right there. 
That's some shit right some there. Some serious shit. You did yeah. some, oh, that, that, oh, there's some carbon shit over there. Well, look at that CNC shit you did. Wow, look at that. Oh, you guys did some shit. You did some shit. So I'm, I'm stoked. They're only putting out, you know, if they're putting out 100 bikes a year, they're probably stoked. I don't know how much, how many they're doing. But um, it seems like a cool operation and, and you know, they're doing good things. Um, I like that there's brands like Arch in the U.S. And, you know, going back to like, why is it there a sport bike, an American sport bike brand? I'm like, well, we've got, we've got Arch. I like I like that America has an Arch brand. I like that America has a Modus. I really like that that V4 pro, um, Street Fighter project that they sure. they were showing us. Um, and I've ridden the the sport tour, and man, is that thing a beast! And you know, is it for a bike for everyone? No, and the Arch isn't a bike for everyone. And like we've kind of got these niche kind of brands that are kind of doing things that are that are good things, and understand that like well. Maybe one of these niche brands becomes a big brand one day. Or maybe one of the big brands gets their act together and starts making some of the bikes that we want to see. But, you know, I'm kind of fine with what, what Americans are putting out. I am. I, I work for one of the companies, and I'm stoked by it, right? Yeah, you guys are all right. You're all right. I'm totally stoked by it. And I and I think it's it's just a matter of time before... There's more seriousness coming from Alta as well. So if that if that seriousness ends up resulting in uh, diversifying into other types of bikes, then I'd be fucking stoked. But first, we could sell a lot of dirt bikes, and I think that's a, you know that's a, a unique thing in and of itself. People ask, "Well, I want an American dirt bike." Well, strangely, here you go. And I, I we don't even we don't tout it. We don't like we don't have an American flag on the bike or anything. I don't know if that's no, necessary. Thank, thank right? God that you don't. I think that's actually one of the things I, I told Mark when I met him in the early early days of Alta. I was like, you guys start putting a fucking American flag on this. I'm going to just go up a wall about it. Be, be what it is before you have to tout what it here, is. Right? Here, here's, here's, here's what my flavor of patriotism looks like. Go out, build the raddest, baddest, fucking most awesome bike you can. And oh, by the way, it's from America. Yeah. Don't be like, here's the loudest, proudest, bald, eaglest motorcycle ever. Yeah. And oh, by the way, it's, it's kind of good. Yeah, that's that's for me. Sure. That's the difference between Buell and everything else. Where it's just like, you know what, man, you had some crazy ideas, and maybe some of them would have been interesting and could have worked in certain applications. But at the end of the day, like you were just so star spangled, bannered up your own ass about it that it just kind of killed it for like everyone else that doesn't just buy into that kind of bait. Sure. And I think that shows in the sales. Where it was like, yeah, you were able to rile up the crowd, but they were never impressed with the product. They're just impressed with your patriotism. And that to me, like that cheapens the brand. Like America as a brand, that cheapens it for me. I don't like it when people do that. Lo and behold, you went out of business for it. And I think I guess that means a lot of other people don't like it when you do that. So I would say the 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 biggest message to like the future American sport bike brand, the future American motorcycle brand is make the best product out there. If you think America is so star spangled awesome, then make the most awesome bike out there. And oh, by the way, it's from America. Sure. That's the message. Let that's, let that that's exist the on its own merit. Yeah. You don't even have to say it. It just becomes it. That's if you have to saying. say it, then you've done it wrong. Yeah. It, it's it's Vince Lombardi. When you score a touchdown, act like you've been there before. So uh, the upside, Quentin, to selling a bunch of dirt bikes is, you know what that also means? Not many kickstands. Selling a lot of kickstands. Oh, yeah. We do have to sell a lot. That's right. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, but, it does come as an aftermarket accessory. <laughs> Uh, not quite sure when we're going to get the next recording session. You go away for a couple weeks. I go to New York for the Pirelli calendar launch and then come back and start planning for next year. So hopefully we'll get down and record some stuff soon. 
Late, it's going to be late November. Until then, you know, we'll have our kickstands up. Well, we should also point out to our listeners that we will be doing a live show in San Francisco, December, December 13th. 13th. Yeah. Uh, we'll be at the D store uh, right there on Van S. They're in the process right now of getting a major overhaul remodel. And I think we will be one of their first events to help oh, right open on. up that store. So Wednesday, December 13th. Uh, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. You're saying it now. Six o'clock. I like seven. I like seven. Yeah. Well, I'll talk to Shelly and we'll photo. We'll like edit well, in whatever one that was correct. <laughs> so Wednesday night, six o'clock. Wednesday night, seven o'clock. We'll see you there. Bring your <laughs> questions. Bring your quick stands, and uh, it'll be a good time. All right. Sounds good. Good talk. See you out there later. No comment. Uh, Fucking Keanu Reeves stole my power cable. (laughs) Thief. Heath the chief. Heath the thief. Heath the thief. I don't want to call him that for now on. Uh, All right. I don't have any notes. Let's just do it acapella. Oh, no. Let's just do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live.